You are listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that legally counts as homage if you change the colors on the thing you trace. I am your host, Matt Marcus. My pronouns are he, him, and with me is... Sybil Arnett, she, her. That's very funny considering that there is a uh, well-known Yuri that got uh, canceled because of tracing (laughs) allegations. I'm trying to remember what it is right now, but yeah, this is a very heavy reference episode, or at least one of these are. (laughs) So, um, just on that note, since we're doing dives, uh, I did discover that Kakigurui was by the artist and writer who created the cancelled-in-one-chapter isekai revenge manga, and that instantly meant I was going to watch it. Okay. (laughs) Did you hear about that story? No, I have not. Uh, so they put together a new series, and it was basically just, like, a guy going around trying to wipe out all the isekai cheat characters who show up in their magic world, and the very first chapter, and thus only chapter, is like, oh, yeah, these are just straight up trace, not trace, but like, you can tell who everyone is. Oh, that's Kirito from Sword Art Online. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Lady Catalina from My Life as a Villainess. Oh, that's just like, oops. Damn, damn. Yeah, no, I mean, that kind of sounds a little similar to Executioner and Her Way of Life, which mm-hmm. is currently airing. And that, that's pretty okay. I've yeah. not read the light novels. I, yeah, um, I've, but... I've heard that one's a fun watch. Uh, it's just... It didn't go as blatant with it hitting every no. type of them in the genre. No, no, no. It's but in terms of like being a subversion of Izakai, yes, kind of. That's what kind of tipped me off on that because it's very much doing that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, oh yeah. By the way, the manga I was thinking of was Prism. Prism was the canceled mm. Yuri mm-hmm. manga because it definitely traced some drawings off of another manga that I don't remember. Uh. Anyway, we're not talking about that here. We are here to talk about Flip Flappers, episodes seven through nine. And not much in the way of content warnings this week, just a lot of fan service. And probably the worst fan service the show gets, more or less. I don't know if we do anything like that uh, second to last shot in nine and any going forward. No. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So we kick right off with episode 7, Pure Component. Uh, As a recap from where we left off, it turns out art student Iro Iridori has de-angsted and is throwing out her paintings. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, upsetting to me personally. We'll we'll get more into it it as we discuss it, but yeah, it's kind of weird what they do here with this. Do you mean abandon it entirely? Yeah, (laughs) but the only way that you could be an artist who makes art or is interested in art is that you are fucked up from some type of trauma. So this episode and just kind of dropping everything that happened last time is where I start to turn on this show. I like the next episode and a half, but yeah. We have officially reached the part of the series where it is more interested in the plot than being a cool animation showcase. Yeah, there's 
a couple of moments of decent animation, but like, I mean, also it becomes less focused on the characters as a character study and becomes more of a character's plot device kind of thing. Well, episode eight rules. I am just all over that one from top to bottom. It's great. It's you a are a mark for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am. But also it just has, it goes back to that. Hey, we're going to do a whole episode of just wild style. Yeah. The style is very good. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. So right now. Yeah. Uh, Coconut is like, you sure you want to throw out every one of these paintings that you are carrying to the incinerator? And all your Adori goes, should I not? Mm-hmm. And later on, they're you know kind of watching her. That's how they spend most of that school day. And she's talking to people. She's an extrovert now. She's actually enjoying life. And Kokona just gets this slow, horrified zoom as she mm-hmm. figures out, I did this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's interesting because Yayaka and Kokona, not Kokona and Papaka, are chatting about this, and Yayaka's just like, I mean, is this so bad? Mm-hmm. But she is going, you know that um, you know that thing you were messing with that might have caused this, the whole black hole? Don't do that. Uh, there <laughs> is a very good insert shot of just a straight up so i had to rewind to watch this it yeah, is a yeah, reference yeah. to the horror film jigoku from the 60s oh okay so i thought it was more of um oh god who's that painter who does a lot of like bosch images of hell yeah bosch like i was getting bosch painting vibes but uh yeah no a very i'm fu- pretty sure yeah. and i'll have to find it to compare that it is actually referencing one of the movie posters for Jigoku, which I totally know about because a another dead podcast I did covered it earlier this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's an image, like, Yayaka says, oh, if you keep messing around with that, you'll end up in hell. And, yeah, we see, like, a... Not a diorama. What would you call this? Uh, like, a mural, almost, of, yeah. like, Papika and Kokona being tortured and by imps and stuff. It's just and a pitch black screen for a moment and then all these very colorful images of them being dragged around a river of flames. And like, no, the thing is, they're all very kind of jokey because like there's one bit at the end where they're crucified, but they're not being like stabbed or anything. they're being tickled with feathers. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like how the uh, animation under the credits runs where it's yeah, yeah. a lot of things which are just shy of horrifying, but no one's reacting to it right. Yeah, I mean, they're all like nude too. they're like naked souls kind of thing. But yeah, I think that's the only reason it flashes it. so quickly. I would imagine so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Kokona is saying, no, I, I think we I think we actually got in her head and changed her. We saw a bunch of her memories, and yeah, I guess like, uh... Yeah, oh shit, that's bad news. Never seen that. Mm-hmm. So... Back at Flip Flap HQ, the girls asked Hidaka if he knows what's up with the the hole they went into. And they said, and he said that it is a deeper part of pure illusion where ripples and events can affect the real world. And like, there's a, 
a lot of detail the way he talks about this. And it's like the most detail we've gotten about the Umvelt part of pure illusion and how that works. I think it's like, the most we're going to get until the exposition dumps at the end. Yeah, pretty much. And this is like a 30 second scene. Yeah, it's so weird, too, to me that, like, you know, there's no real communication happening between the girls and the rest of Flip Flap. Like, they're not really they're holding a lot of their cards to their chest, but also they can't communicate while they're in pure illusion with them. So, like, they probably could have been like, hey, that hole is a thing. You should probably not play with that <laughs> or maybe play with that and see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like they're always out of the loop, even though it seems that, like. Like, Hidaka knows what this is. They've probably run into it before. Hmm. But Dr. Salt then interjects to tell Kokona that, theoretically, the worlds of pure illusion should work together as a utopia, but that's not how things are in reality. And Kokona is visibly upset by this. So the girls are put in the dumbwaiter, and Kokona is having serious second thoughts, but before she knows it, she wakes up at her bus stop. And... It's an interesting cut because she is refusing to hold out her hand to Papika. She's just kind of curled up in the fetal position in the bottom yeah. of the dumbwaiter. And then we smash cut to her waking up and going, oh, God, what time is it? Yeah. The weird thing is that they really, this little mini arc of doubt gets fixed without a lot of weight to it, which is kind of weird. But we'll... We'll bring it up more. It comes up in episode eight for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this segment. This, and this is the mass yeah. of the episode. Yeah. So, Kokona heads home, but she walks through a town where it's empty. Trains are there, but no, nothing's moving. And she doesn't think anything of it until at her house, she does not find Granny. She finds, you know... Papika, who is... Okay, so you watched the subtitled version, right? Yeah. yeah. What was the way they interpreted the cute nickname she kept calling Kokona by? I want to say it's Papakia. Okay. That's what I put in the notes. But well, the thing no, is... No, no, no. What is, what is it that Papika keeps calling Kokona? Oh, I don't remember. Okay, I because... The dub went with sissy over and over, and it's like... <laughs> I I think it's just big sis, like Onichan. I suspected as much. It's just like, there's a, there's a lot to unpack right now. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. funny. There's a couple of those this episode where I was looking at it and going, huh, you did that. Yeah, there, there really isn't an English equivalent of that that is used frequently and oh, yeah, yeah that was a very poor choice it's it kind of fits papika in a certain way but it's also very <laughs> mm. it has other connotations yes it has other connotations especially since they're playing around with a lot of presentation and gender on this one that's true it, that is absolutely true i don't think that part was intentional probably not yeah, it would be going in the wrong direction anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, yeah, she is basically turned into a little sister archetype and mm -hmm. is calling Kokona Onichan. 
Yeah, and the whole time, every time Coconut pushes back against, this is weird, what is happening here? She threatens to break down and cry, and it's like, all right, come on, we'll do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Up to the point of a weird dinner that may or may not be horrible. They don't really go into what's in it. Yeah. And, of course I wash your back in the bath. Come on, sissy. God. Yeah. (sighs) And eventually... This, you know, she gets out of the bath, they're both drying off, she turns her back, and then Papika has vanished, raptured away, leaving only a towel on the floor. He's like, God, I hate the way you just disappear. So we start running from vignettes of daily life where it takes one or two of these before she goes, oh, I'm in pure illusion. But she's sitting in the classroom completely empty and only when the next Papika throws something at her head does she react in any way. She's just like oh yeah, nobody's here. Literally nobody is here. I have seen no other human being. I haven't seen my grandmother. Oh, okay, there's another weird one of you. This is pure illusion. And this is a delinquent, very mask coated Papika. Mm -hmm. The first of a few. The thing is, this is a different kind of delinquent than we see later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, the other multi- one is yeah. uh, Boncho style. But Yeah, yeah. This is just a, a, a typical classroom, you know, boy delinquent. Like, less less interesting than the other one, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, this is a little bit more of a Western class clown delinquent type. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, he's got a... Uh, and I'm going to say he just because it, the actor is putting on a slightly deeper performance. There's a definite look of masculinity to them. And I'm pretty sure they probably use Boku a few times. I've yeah, I would have to that, check. Again, yeah. it's... The Blu-rays for this do not allow you to mix the subs and dubs easily. Mm-hmm. So, the whole thing goes off, and yeah, Papika here grabs Kokona's hand and is like, no, come on. Everyone's going to show up soon. If we're going to ditch, we got to do it now. And they hop out the window. And we start running around town into a variety of different takes on Papika, different styles. There's this one. There's a... I don't know. What would you it... call this one? It's like she's not a, like, Ojo-sama style, but she's got, like, these big... Uh, curls and she's dressed up very feminine but despite this very sort of prim and proper look she like builds a sandcastle and like destroys it and says doesn't it feel good <laughs> to like that destroy was the something? only one i couldn't place yeah that must be a specific reference yeah because it's not yeah. it's not debutante but the very different school uniform and coloration made me think it's a reference i'll yeah, see if i can yeah find something while I'm doing notes for this and edit it in. Uh, Catch that future me. That version of the character is named Papio, and I found nothing about her being a direct reference. There was some discussion of how every version of Papika in this episode, save the obvious one, is an archetype from school anime. I guess it has to do with that. But, uh, yeah, big big corkscrew curls and, like, reddish hair. Like, in Papika's, like, it's more orange than red, I think, in this case. Yeah, the hair is not changing much, but this one does have a more striking shade. 
Oh, I should say the next one that she runs into is like they spend a little bit more time with, and there's some funny detail in that too. Uh, that's the like, yeah, the street tough guy, the Boncho, yeah, Boncho, yeah, because like he was just in a fight, and Kokoda patches, you know, patches him up, and then they go like clothes shopping, and there, you know, there's a little montage there, and the one that like gets Papika to blush is like the girl gang outfit with the big long skirt and the kendo stick. Yes. Coconut as a Sukiban yeah. thug rules. It is that was straight great. up a Sukiban Deca rip, which oh, 100%. most of you will probably know as the Kill La Kill uniform, etc., etc. <laughs> I think but, I said but, this but earlier. But the long skirt version of it, not the... <laughs> Yeah, it's the actual yeah, it's the actual show that's being referenced, the 80s show. Yeah, yeah. It I love this episode because it's it's not the animation porn style of some of the other episodes, but it's playing around with the concept. It's using costumes to a great effect. In a way that it's like, yeah, we spent our budget on this episode, but we spent it differently. We didn't have to yeah. do a crazy action scene. We instead designed 17 different styles of our main characters. Yeah, and like the whole purpose of it is that these are different ways that Kokoda can see Papika and relate to Papika. And so in a lot of ways, it's kind of a projection of her own feelings and how they're kind of muddled or they could be a lot of they could go in a lot of different directions. Mm hmm. Yeah. Also, I I don't know if I'll cut this out or not, but I have been watching Assassination Classroom, and mm -hmm. there is a joke in the finale of the first season, which is just an excellent gag in this vein, where everyone is standing on the beach at the end of their summer holiday trip, and they're all in their standard uniforms, and it's like, come on, let's play in the water. It's like, we, we don't we don't have any swim gear. And yeah. one of them just turns to the camera and goes, it would be incredibly silly to design 30 new outfits for people this late in the show. Oh, that's fantastic. It's just straight up turns to the camera. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I like shit like that. Like, I know it could be overused, especially today, but, like, I, I appreciate that. They don't break the fourth wall much, but they have some great jokes about it. Like, when a character speaks up 11 episodes in and says... So what does it matter if her two Ds are double Ds? And like, do you really want that to be your first line in the series? Apparently, yes. <laughs> Just a lot of good use of the medium for a gag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the one that sort of wraps this on this montage, and we go through a quick montage where we start to see a couple of them reappear. Uh, there's a sports yeah playing one who she does an indirect kiss with on a bottle of soda. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot to work with on those ones that go by quickly, but we see yeah. the masked delinquent from the cat, the class reappear. We see a couple of the other ones. Yeah. Th there's an implication that there are several days that pass mm -hmm. and that these events have just kind of been rolling along. And then we are in, I don't know if this is a hotel room, if this is just like her yeah. bedroom has changed. I think this is definitely a hotel because the implication is that they got caught in the rain. 
mm-hmm. and went to the hotel for shelter. Yeah, so she's on this incredibly fluffy bed, and she's just laying down. Coconut is. And just sitting and staring into a mirror alone. And finally, at a certain point, a very nighty-clad, nothing nothing explicit, but very suggestive, Papika with horns is just laying behind her, and you can see them in the mirror together. And there is a lot to unpack in the conversation, beginning with, do I uh-huh. have to be the Papika you know? And then yeah. suddenly, Kokona is also in these 90s, and mm-hmm. it becomes clearer from angles switching as we're looking in the mirror, as we're looking from above, that this Papika has actual horns like a succubus i don't think she has a tail but they're no both, i didn't see a tail they're both yeah. clad in this nighttime lingerie and having a discussion and papika is saying without saying you know you could fuck me we could fuck mm-hmm. and eventually this discussion turns into well you're not gonna do it that's kind of boring and it's just we just leave coconut alone on this big bed with the plushy cushions in the nighty staring at herself in the mirror yeah i this is probably the scene that this is the rorschach test on whoever is watching on is this a yuri or not <laughs> because i a lot of people will see this and go this is clearly showing that coconut has some you know maybe deeply buried sexual desire and it's coming out in this scene here and she's not quite fully come to grips with it. Or on the other side, you know, you see the scene and Kokoda says, yeah, my love isn't like that. And they go, see, not gay. It's absolutely an interesting way to pick up on this, a thread that we kind of haven't touched on since Mm -hmm. the chewing on cables teeth metaphor early in the show. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Kokoda has a lot of repressed something, and this is probably the most blatant it will get on screen as a metaphor. You could have me, you know, and just indecisive waffling. I mean, do we feel here that, like, this is just playing to tropes, or do you think that... I mean, I guess it is playing the tropes, but do you think that there's a lot more deeper thought into this. Um, I think this is absolutely an interesting way to get into the arc that goes through this trio of episodes. Mm-hmm. We you know, we have just discarded what happened last time with Iroha and all, but now we are at the point of how do Kokona and Papika feel about each other? What is their relationship? And Kokona is just left alone to confront what does she want out of this? Do I have to be the Papika you know? Could she be something different? Could I have a Papika I prefer to this? Could this be a discussion we have? And she doesn't want to have it even with this hypothetical Papika. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely thinking about it. She's got I nothing mean, else to do. I mean, the thing is, it ties into the Aroha stuff, right? Because... The idea is, in pure illusion, you can change people. 
Mm-hmm. Like you can do stuff in here and the result is this. It's kind of asking her if you had the power to choose and you kind of do, but mm-hmm. if you had the power to choose for Poppyka specifically, would you, what would you do with it? And she kind of chooses, she wants the Poppyka she knows. Yep. I mean, that ties into the whole thing of like, I, she feels bad that she changed to Roha and feels like there's something wrong about that. I was going to say, that's my question to you. Do you think she wants that because she thinks it's wrong? Or do you think she wants that because she can't decide what to make her? I would say it's both. Like, I, I really feel like part of it is her initial... I mean, remember the episode opened with her like realize having this realization and feeling really bad about it. And mm-hmm. she's questioning, you know, the flip flap people on it. I think it's part of it. She feels like it's not her place to make that decision, but also even if she could, she is still incapable of choosing something for herself because that's also the key thing about Kokona is that she's just going through life, not needing to make her own decisions and then being incapable when she's actually being asked to make a decision. Mm hmm. So I think it's playing on both sides of that. But also, I've made the argument that this show has a lot of order versus chaos in our yeah. two sides. This is the most Kokona as staunch neutrality we will see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, this is the probably the really last point where she's very indecisive. I think yeah. so. I'd have to remember the end of the show as much. Um, but yeah, like my memory, as if my memory serves, this is like the episodes where things turn for her and then plot happens. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she just has to make choices because of desperation, you know. Mm-hmm. But with her conviction renewed that she wants to find the original Poppy Cup, that she knows. Uh, Kokona then catches a train, but can't find Papika anywhere. And at some point she is sitting by like the, you know, the waterways that we see a lot in manga and anime that are just apparently all throughout Japan. You know, she's just sitting on the, on the grass and the Asclepius trio see her there having already found the shard for this world, but they decide to just leave her be and, have her stay stuck in this, you know, continue to be influenced by this part of pure illusion, which is again, a thing that has been brought up as Kokona's weakness is that she's so influenced by pure illusion. Every time she goes there. Well, there's a comment shortly after this, which implies that just like how the Iro episode was going inside Iroha, Irohadori's, Irodori's head. This is probably inside Kokona's, and everyone else yeah, is absolutely. just like, uh, you know what? I'm leaving her to this being John Malkovich shit. Have fun. <laughs> they yeah, don't talk the... to her. They don't say anything. Right. It's just like, let's get out of here. If she looks at us, this gets weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like we're under the impression here from Kokona's viewpoint that yeah, Papika is the lost one, and then that kind of gets turned around at the end, uh, which I think is a nice a nice touch. But yeah, at this point, she just screams out for Papika again, and all of a sudden, the ground opens up, 
in a black void and she's falling into it. She's getting sucked in. But before she can get subsumed, she is caught by the normal Papika, who is piloting the concrete pipe, which is now turned into a spaceship. <laughs> Remember, we're in pure, pure illusion, so obviously they can do whatever they want. It, it's very amusing that it has two of the pipes now have a dome and a mm -hmm. lid on it. The back one is just like, no, this is still a hole. Yeah, yeah, the one that like she reaches out through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And Papika says... Hey, I was looking for you. You were lost. You were and basically implied that she was the one who was lost on her own, probably in her own world at that level of like second level of pure illusion. Mm -hmm. And uh, they get pulled out. But back in Asclepius HQ, Yayaka is being barred from the main hall. And this is really pissing her off. And she's being told that she needs to hurry up and find more of the amorphous lest she fall behind, quote, the other one unquote. The twins are in the hall as the newest shard is added to the staff, you know, the big Asclepius staff in the room, and the white robe leader guy cackles and says they are nearly ready. There's only a few more. Mm -hmm. The girls kick back to reality in a field of flowers by a lake, and the burnt-out husks of some buildings? Uh -huh. Weird, weird uh, dichotomy there. Yeah, yeah. And around the corner, Dr. Salt, clearly Dr. Salt, yeah, but never shown it, in but. his face, is in a baseball cap and trench coat who was just screwing around with a laptop. And as they arrive, he's like, oh, shit, can't let mm -hmm. anyone see me on my day off. Principal can't be seen around town. Mm -hmm. So Papika whips up a little flower crown, gives it to Kokona. The two of them decompress and have fun. And then Papika's shard begins shining, reminder, in the real world. And she mm -hmm. sees a vision of herself, a young man, and a woman with a baby. She and the man both scream out the name Mimi, and Mimi just turns back and goes, I'm sorry, before everything fades to white. So Koken is like, uh, you okay there? Hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. And all she goes is, Mimi. Mimi? And we cut from this to Salt also having a shard IRL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that takes us into episode eight, Pure Breaker. This is this is the fan surface episode because it is swim class time at the school, which for some reason, Buchan is also there. He's like in the water, perving out as he is want to do. And it's very The robot doesn't get a lot to do in this stretch. No, he's just kind of, well, okay, this episode, yes. We'll get there, but like, yeah. I mean, this episode is the Boochot episode. Really? Because I definitely took it as the doctor. Oh, no, no. I thought the old man was Boochon. That is the brain inside of Boochon. Maybe, you know, I've also heard a theory that the brain in Buchan is something taken out of the doctor and lab grown, but... Ah, uh, so uh, you, by the doctor, you mean Salt? No, no, no. Um, Oh, Hidaka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that. But uh, they're, so they're at the, the pool at school. There's a chat between Yayaka and Kokona, and 
Papika comes in, drags Kokona away, but in her excitement, they go too fast. Kokona slips, and both of the girls fall into the pool. And they land on top of Buchan in the pool. And then the water turns inky, and the two get sucked into pure illusion, still in their swimsuits. And Yayaka scoffs, and we get the intro. But where they arrive is a straight-up Tron-style everything dark and neon. And it's a very good contrast, because if they Mm -hmm. went with bright blues and vaporwave colors... This would just be Tron, but instead, it's the aesthetics with a lot of dark reds and greens yeah. and oppressive shades. Yeah, I it love looks really great. I yeah, love no. this episode because every this is some, hey, we did a couple of cheaper episodes, let's go all out territory. Oh, yeah, yeah. This isn't like reusing the town or anything. Like yeah, that. it's not even, oh, yeah, we used some of the templates of the standard town they're in and colored them. No, this is a wild metropolis of neon and darkness. Yeah, looks great. Mm-hmm. And, I, hell, I think that's also part of why the next episode is so barren a lot of the time. Is uh, there... Well, next episode's real rough with a couple of small exceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're looking around and they're like oh this is definitely pure illusion all right guess we got to get a shard let's get to work <laughs> and, and we're really cold because we are wet and in swimsuits yes the the running theme this episode of oh my god please someone help me find clothes is a pretty good joke mm-hmm. but they see someone in an alleyway and they're like hey um we're lost what's up and then at first it's just this little head pops up and is like, oh, it's some kind of weird pigeon. And then the pigeon stands up and it's like, I I can't think of what those demons from Doom with the Minotaur bodies are. Just buff everything with a pigeon head? Oh, the cyber demons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is so strange because it's just this slow, oh, it's a bird. Oh no, birds aren't real. And then it fires oh, a laser at Coconut. Birds aren't real. <laughs> That's a poll. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the title of this episode the instant I saw this. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Birds just, aren't real. Bird men though. Yes. It, it just fires a laser, and the only reason she's saved is that Papika Poutster was like, hey, this place is really cool. Um, <laughs> so buff birds arrive and they surround the girls, but Yayaka has arrived with the twins and takes them out. And the twins Look are like, they are also, they are also in their swimsuits. Yeah. They're also in swimsuits because they were at the pool. It's like, why are we here? This sucks. There's not even anything on the horizon. It's like, we got called out of class for this. <laughs> like we're absent now. And the twins, all right, Asclepius is effing terrible at this because Yayaka mm-hmm. is already on thin ice as of last episode. She keeps half letting them walk off or letting their rivals live. And the, yet she's in charge of the twins? Yeah, she's the leader of the three. Yeah, technically. I'm I just think, saying, well, when we find evil- out more about the twins, this makes more sense. 
Yeah, but it's also one of those things where it's just like, as an evil organization who has multiple candidates, why didn't you just use the dummy plug sooner? This is dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. well, the thing is, they, they, they're already using dummy plugs. I know. <laughs> We're going to see Yayaka's dummy plug soon. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the worst character in the show. <sighs> At least we only have to deal with her for the One four episode. worst episodes. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, the male twin finds there's a shard somewhere and they head off to take care of that. But one of the three birdmen pops back up from the ground zombie style and is about to take out our girls before someone shoots a laser and explodes its head. And thus we get the old man who comes mm -hmm. up to their navels. Yeah, just a just a tiny, tiny man. You have to aim for the head! And then, like, we cut back out and they're leaning over looking at him. They just loom over. These school children loom over this man. Yeah, it it's a very good gag with the perspective because when you first see him you know he looks real cool he's got goggles on he's got a like a tread you know like a scientist coat and looks all futuristic and stuff and he looks full size and then he then the camera like pans as like it doesn't pan but like it shifts to like a perspective that's like showing both of them in the frame and yeah sh he's half the size it's very funny so while we're on this i want to talk about these next two episodes are doing a lot of cribbing from Ava design-wise. Oh, there's a lot of cribbing from probably places that I don't recognize. I'm oh, like, that, there's... That, 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 that robot looks like a Voltron. I don't know if Voltron's oh, really the reference. It's Flashman. Flashman, okay. Yes, I, I actually did some research on this because it was nagging at me. Uh -huh. And yeah, I found the series that they were doing up to and including the way the robot is broken. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's very blatant when you see some of the side-by-side -side shots. Yeah, please, please drop some in recording text. I want to see this. Okay, I will pull that up next time I am not reading. But uh, yeah, yeah. what I just want to start pointing out now is these next two episodes, uh, Pure Breaker and Pure Mute, have a lot of subtle to not-so-subtle we're pulling from Ava stuff, and I like to think the character who is just going to be called Old Man here is one of those in that there is a gag about his wardrobe consists of nothing but these little lab coats, which I think is the start of ripping on a certain scientist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Anyway, yeah, this little man, the girls just call him uh, old man, which is Obachan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like all they call him the whole time. He's Mr. And, in the dub. Weird. I, but anyway, the he tells the girls that these weird monsters have been coming to the city and they are threatening to destroy the core of the world, which is a large, like oval shaped object on top of a tower. And it looks like a giant cyber brain. And this is the part where I go, oh, this is Buchan, right? Like, we're in the circuitry of the robot, and there's the robot's brain at the middle. I mean, that, on, and on top of the fact that they entered Pure Illusion, like, landing on top of Buchan, that's really, and the fact that there's 
and just like the meta fact that this is the pervy episode in some ways, like all of that rounds out to me to think that this is Buchan's world. <laughs> but the girls that agree to help the old man protect the city and the Asclepius trio, meanwhile, they trace down the shard, which happens to have turned into an enormous kaiju that they cannot damage with their normal weapons. And they are about to get owned, but are protected by a force field that protects the cyber brain that the old man had set up. And uh, he calls the three of them to join in his mobile base with the flip flap girls. Like the, there's some good jokes here on the perspective of like, they are in this like space that is designed for a tiny person, but they're all big and they're all hunched over and not don't have a lot of room in there. Like, I think there's good physical comedy there until the parts where it gets leering. But, you know, they also have some actual comedic beats. Also, yeah, a lot of yeah. robot comparison shots are now in recording text for you to look at. It's Sweet. really blatant. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you know Flashman, they're straight up doing poses and shots from episodes. And, yeah, you could see a couple of these are almost one-to-one -one designs with a number filed off. Oh, yeah, like, especially, like, the one where it's a looks like a giant, I don't know, slot machine. What is that? <laughs> the last one, the big one. Uh, that is Great Titan or Great Pakoya in this show. Yeah, that was like it's such a weird design. Like when if you were to told me design a mecha, it would not look like this in this proportions, which is why I thought it was definitely a reference. I mean, the show loves its references regardless, but it does. Yeah. This this is real blatant with. Yeah, these robot designs are all pulled from Flashman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, let's get to the robots. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're cornered, they're in trouble, and the old man has an idea. He does not tell them what this idea is. Instead, opening a crappy little closet that has two seats with wheels on it. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is way too small. They're like you're too big. So he shoves them into this totally not the dumb waiter, and then they're both in pitch black and shoved down. Uh, we've mentioned at this point that uh, the twins and the girl uh, and Yayaka are there, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're also talking with uh, old man. And they're just mocking his plan this entire time. Like, this is so stupid. Mm -hmm. But yeah. The girls are dropped down, and we see a diagram on his screens has them splitting up and going to two different shapes in the distance. And they are at... I did not take down the name of these robots, because they only exist for like 10 seconds. Yeah, it's not important. <laughs> but yeah, they're in a tank and a jet. And the entire time, they are drawn just crouched over like the the Ava's cockpit and the Gundam's cockpit and most of these robots are meant to be very tight and kind of uncomfortable for the pilot these girls are hunched over around these mm -hmm. controls at every shot we see inside the cockpits because they're made for people at half scale yeah it's such a good joke mm -hmm. and yes now they are all shoved in but they both shout flip-flapping and we see the drive core charge up on each of these mecha and we get a an insert song which I have to start playing behind this. 
it's, it's so good. It's it's very good. <laughs> and they actually subtitled this as it's running, give yeah. you the lyrics. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it is the most on the nose, like, this is from a giant super robot show, like, rock song. It's great. And they combine into... Uh, is it Yapiko Boy? Because that's what it says in the screenshot. No, no, no. Yapiko Boy is the one that Yayaka comes out with. Papina King. Okay. They all have their own names, which are only written down in design books for the most part. So that's why I have to yeah. look this up. Yeah. Oh, I forgot the... You know what? I totally forgot to mention that last episode, the different Papikas all have different names. Okay, so... Only in the Japanese credits. In the Japanese credits, yes. Which In the English credits, it just says Papika. Yeah, it actually really sucks because, yeah, there's a whole screen in the credits that's just names you can't read if you're us. And then, yeah. mow, 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 They are all plays off, off of Papika, like, yeah, Papakia or Papi or Pakia or something. Like, they're all little plays off of that but they're all yeah it, it's interesting that they flattened that out for the english one also it's very funny i mentioned uh executioner in her way of life earlier but mao is playing a character in that show as well uh oh she's playing um um i think it's ashuna the princess uh the princess with the big giant sword who who rules she's great but yeah same same voice actress she's done a lot of stuff is that one worth watching? I've heard some praise, but I've been kind of waiting to see how the season goes. It's okay. I mean, it's hard for me to really say. I know people who are really excited. They really like the light novels, and they think the show is a good adaptation of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's got a really cool magic system that they've built in, and they've done interesting things with it. And they've done a lot of interesting things with subverting Izakai tropes. But it hasn't really, you know, rose above. Yeah, this is pretty good to me. Like, there's like one episode where I go, like episode six, where I go, okay, they're doing some cool, like, meta narrative stuff. But they're still kind of setting up a lot of cards and the payoffs haven't really hit yet. So, so, so don't I mean, bump it ahead of Spy Family and uh, Kaguya-sama no, then. I would say no to those. Uh, okay. Yeah, I would say, I would say watch that after after those kaguya-sama has been great i mean oh, it's, it's just excellent. more kaguya-sama mm -hmm. <laughs> uh so so watch that if you have it it's very funny uh, <laughs> yeah. we're just full of all kinds of much more interesting anime to reference today mm -hmm. this is what happens when chris isn't here to call us crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 although like i gotta say there's episode i think eight or seven of Executioner's Way of Life is like the worst we ran out of budget that I've seen in a long time. Like that one is super, super rough. Uh, but the rest of the show, pretty, pretty solid, solid, solid B. Especially rare for a Yuri to be, you know, turned into an anime. Yeah. So the robot comes out and they get thoroughly owned. <laughs> yep. Because, like, you can't just have one combining robot sequence. Why do that when you could have multiple ones? Uh, but anyway, things are looking dire. But then the old man turns to Yayaka and asks, do you want to save them? And she doesn't admit it at first. 
but then gives in and finally says that yeah she's like yeah there is a dairy in her Sundari and agrees to help but the key thing is she's told she needs to yell the flip-flapping catchphrase. she has to do the phrase this scene is so good it's it's funny like she's like so like oh, but that's so embarrassing they're all in a shared cockpit at this point yeah and so <laughs> Koken is just going come on you've got to do it and she's like, <laughs> flip flap. And Papika just gets up in her face and is like, what's that? I can't hear you. <laughs> you got to do better than that. <laughs> Eventually, though, she does, you know, give it the old college try. And the robots transform again. There's more fighting. And eventually they win. Like, it's really hard to describe just the action of this, but it's really huge scale. Like, the the robot it turns into, which is yeah, that, that reference we mentioned earlier, is like four times as high as the highest skyscraper in the area. Great Pacoya. Great Pacoya. And uh yeah, it just absolutely destroys this yeah, very Ava unit looking uh kaiju. Yeah. At this and point, it does an actual on the ground crawl, which is straight up ripped from when yeah. the unit 01 goes berserk yeah. at the end of episode two. 21 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. speaking of riffs uh the aftermath of this explosion is basically taken from a shot and kill a kill oh, the big scar okay. on the planet yeah right i forgot about that yeah no this <laughs> when i say that they're really getting blatant right now i mean it yeah yeah but yeah they won the fight they got the shard but unfortunately, due to this enormous laser, uh, the entire city was destroyed. However, the old man is super happy. And he says, like, this explosion was art, which is a I, I don't know. I really like that line. Oh, so does the was the bit that the dub added just something that's only in the dub? Because as this all fades to black, Papika is just proudly screaming explosion and her no, little that, that's- cheery voice. That's also in the sub. That's also I love in the original it. Japanese. Yeah, she's just shouting explosion. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> very, very excited because Big Boom happened. Yep. Uh, Yayaka refuses to take the shard, saying that, you know, the old man grabs it and she's like, come on, we're going. And the twins, quite reasonably, once again go, we are absolutely reporting this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like, snitches. You should try- yeah, <laughs> they are total snitches. Uh, we didn't mention there's a little thing that's going on in this where we cut to the doctor and mm-hmm. he's just kind of being an asshole at Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip Flap HQ, just like calling on the other scientist, hey, fix that unit in his horrible room, which is just a cramped mess, but also that leads into the slightly cleaner cramped mess that is the old man's space. So yeah, there's mm, there's a yeah. lot to layer there. It's just that real world bit isn't interesting at all. Well, the thing is, it just make it feels bad actually because like Hidaka is, ba- you know, Sayori 
gets into Hidaka's room and it's a bunch of there's a bunch of junk everywhere. And she's like, what's all this junk? And Hidaka basically like insults her, <laughs> basically like, you don't know. This is like true genius's work. You don't get it. Uh, go out there and get me a, you know, if you hate it so much, just get me a cup of tea. And then yeah. at the end of the episode, she just comes back and gives her a cup of tea and is like, oh, isn't it so cute that this is just how this guy is like? And I'm like, no, that's bad, actually. Yeah, he's he's a real prick. It's like I yeah. the episode is better if we cut that other than the gag of, oh, yeah, this is this is definitely an analog for the scientist because the room looks the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what what happens when they get back to reality is uh, Buchan like limps his way back to Hidaka like into the room and Hidaka's like, Oh no, I broke again. And then like is working on it. Also, on I'm running out of parts for this. Also. Old model. Yes. That's a, that, that's a key part that makes this real sad is that like Buchan is getting owned over and over again and eventually will not be able to be repaired. <laughs> uh, that's sad. There's, but yeah, that yeah. Bit sucks. That's the only reason I mentioned this. It's like, Oh, this is set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like in a worse show, like this show, obviously wheels coming off a little bit, but like in a worse show, they would be shipping those two, like Sayori and Hidaka. And I, I don't believe that happens. But like, no, I would. When, when this first happened, I went like, oh, no, does she have affection for him? That would suck because he sucks as a person. Quite a, quite a lot. Yeah. You yeah. know, that dude smells. Oh, God. Like he doesn't even wear shoes. That dude, imagine what that cramped room of his must smell like. Yeah, real, real bad. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, yeah. there's a there's a post credit scene. It's Papika and Coconut showering off after coming out of the pool where they left. And everything's great, but the shard and the one inside Coconut shine in sort of a reaction to each other. And Papika is like, yeah, we should go on another adventure. Come on, Mimi. And Coconut's like, what? Uh-huh. And that takes us to episode nine, Pure Mute, where Yayaka is like in the locker room suiting up for another mission, but she hears a noise that tells her that the twins are about to leave without her. So she rushes over and sees them with a new third character who is a small girl with blue dual ponytails and... Yaika asks, like, who the hell are you? And one of the robe dudes says that this is the third of the amorphous. Or okay, like the so third child. In yes, the I was about to say third child is the way they phrase it. And it's like speaking yeah. of Ava's. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, Yaika pleads with them to, like, give her one more chance. And they're like, yes, you can do that. But you must get the next shard as well as the one in their possession. And Yayaka hesitates when she hears this, but then falls back on her. My resolve is different bullshit. And we get the intro. So uh, at, at school, Coconut is pretty pissed off about being called by another woman's name. <laughs> and Typical, right? I know, right? <laughs> and it's not helped by the fact that Papika is mentioning things about Koki- Coconut that are definitely not about her. It's like, Oh, yeah, you love sweet carrots, right? And it's like, I fucking don't. Mm-hmm. So this is just absolutely driving a wedge between them because we need something to go into the final act. And despite this, Flip Flap HQ is like, hey, you know how we said impedance needs to be really low? Shove them in the dumbwaiter anyway. <laughs> yeah, just ignore that. 
Yep. <laughs> and, and like Hidaka's just like, oh, it's probably just some dumb schoolgirl bullshit. Like, there's probably nothing to this fight, actually, which mm-hmm. is very untrue, actually, like in reality. Uh, if any character would feel that way, it's definitely Hidaka, the person oh, who absolutely causes yeah. 7,000 of these fights a week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you mean? You love getting me tea. Fuck you, buddy. Mm-hmm. The Asclepius trio are already there. They're in spacesuits, which have a cool design that will disappear the instant after this scene. <laughs> yeah, like they're in a different part of Pure Illusion. And it's wild because... These are great 60s retro designs, bubble helmets and everything. They're doing full reflections of the sky and the cosmos on the visors. It's such Uh a beautifully animated scene for five seconds. And then they go to, like, the nothing (sighs) space. (laughs) All right. So I mentioned the whole thing where I said these two episodes are biting Ava's style like mad. First off... We are in an endless white room with cross hatches on the top and the bottom of it. It's Gendo's office that has the mirror tiles, but without any texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this made me really think of more like uh, the Matrix, like in some of the interstitial spaces, like when they get the guns or something, where it's just a giant, super well lit white room that goes on forever. If I wasn't already in the mindset of seeing what they were lifting from Neon Genesis Evangelion, I wouldn't have said, I would have given you that, but this one looks in a lot of shots like Gendo's big office. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, without a doubt, there's probably something in there coming from Ava. Um, But yeah, like, Yayaka, you can tell, has started to get very desperate, too, because, you know, in Spaceland, they were like, oh, we, we haven't found anything. Damn it, where is it? Like, I really need to find the next shard. But they, like, detect another shard, which is, like, they know the girls are there, and so they're going to go chase after them. So they end up, Kokoda uh, and Papika, in this giant white liminal space. And they see a twinkle of a shard in the distance and start racing towards it, still clearly annoyed at each other. And, like, they're kind of competing now. So... Kokona is annoyed at Papika. Papika is oblivious to how much she's fucking this up, but she's trying to work with Kokona. Yeah, yeah. Kokona's definitely being the difficult one here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are interrupted when uh, one punch twin drops out from the sky and nearly lands a big falling blow on the two of them as they are racing in, like, their flip-flap forms. And... Mm -hmm. Kokoda is pleased to see Yaeka because Yaeka has been ditching school for several days and she's been worried about it. But Yaeka is again cold with her, being like, you're you're so naive, yada yada. But then Kokoda races off to the uh, shard shine in the distance and the twins follow with her. And for whatever reason, Buchan is right there too, <laughs> just coincidentally. Uh, and they all reach out hands to grab it. And it, it looks like... Um, it, it looks like a ice, or I guess a snowflake, like an icy snowflake mm-hmm. or ice crystal. And Kokoda manages to grab it, but as soon as that happens, they get wrapped up. Like the ground turns into this like white hair and jumps up and grabs them and traps them in a space which inside looks like a traditional Japanese manor. 
And I'm going to call it out again. This is absolutely Leliel, the Dirac Sea Angel. It's straight up a big orb that's floating in midair that's a shifting white and black space. Oh, I didn't catch that. It's very similarly animated and shaped. Okay, okay. This is one of those things where it's just like, oh, come on. (laughs) Stop doing this. (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's some of these that I might be reading too much into, but like, the pair of them coming down the elevator to Flip Flap HQ and just being backs to each other straight up filmed in the same yep. way as the elevator fight in Ava with Asuka and Ray. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of yeah, things yeah. very blatant. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. homage Yeah. So we now have the groups in two parties. Inside the trap, we have Kokona and the twins... And they're all just sort of chilling and being like, well, we can't really do anything in here. So since we can't escape, congrats, ceasefire. And they just get to watch outside where Papika and Yayaka are fighting with Yayaka straight up charging and being like, give me the shard. Give me the shard in your leg. (laughs) But Papika does not care about this. She keeps trying to get coconut out and when that fails she then begins hauling ass to try and shake yayaka yeah she's just like chase me i'm gonna mm-hmm. run away so we finally get the names of the twins who are toto and yaya and you know these three are just chilling in here the coconut <laughs> goes well what's your wish it's like we don't have wishes oh okay <laughs> yeah and like Coconut is thinking, I wonder if Yayaka has a wish, you know, yeah, the funny thing, there's like a ongoing gag here that like, especially Yaya keeps trying to fool Coconut. And then like whenever Coconut is like, yeah, I'll agree to a, tre- uh, you know, a ceasefire. She powers down and Yaya's like, oh, you bought it. Oh, you're so gullible. And then later, like tries to manipulate her. Um, it, you know, it just seems like they're. Like, they don't seem to respect Coconut very much, so, which is one thing. But also, uh, Toto is, like, spending the time, like, poking at Buchan's brain as Buchan, like, reacts, like, what in what looks like in pain. And, like, he, he's obsessed with this little thing. Yeah, he's just got a screwdriver and he's prodding the robot. Yeah. But this only yeah. happens for one scene. Then Buchan no, just disappears. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Buchan doesn't really show up in the last detail. I think, like... Buchan's basically in pieces by now again, and it's kind of out Mm -hmm. of commission. But outside the trap, the girls both collapse to the ground, exhausted from chasing each other. And Papika in particular is hungry because Papika just is that way. And Yayaka tries to convince her to give up her shard for an energy bar she happens to have with her. And uh, this is the best scene of the episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love it because... Yayaka is just just whipping this thing around out of the reach of the tired girl. And she's like, oh, this is so good. Takes a bite of it. And Papika's salivating really heavily. And yeah. then she distracts her and swallows Yayaka's hand with the bar. Uh-huh. Yep. Yayaka starts having to shake her. All- it's just full Looney Tunes. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But eventually they just, you know, the granola bar's gone. 
they're just kind of sitting back to back, exhausted, discussing what to do now. And uh, yeah, I didn't call it out earlier, but there's a, a few bits of like the hand to hand combat here between the two of them that are actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, especially like Yayaka like does a bunch of like spinning kicks and stuff. And it looks like it'd be something out of like uh, an Arc Systems game. Uh, I could see that. Some, yeah. But it's only like for like three or four seconds. Like it's very brief. Most of the episode is not that. Um, but inside the trap, uh, Yaya and Kokona can see Yayaka and Papika outside the window, but they can't hear anything. And it's weird because this window, like, feels like an omniscient camera. Like, it's not like they're seeing them out in the distance. They're seeing them at, like, camera view, as if it was, like, you know, for the show. Yaya says that she can read lips and feeds Kokona some bullshit to upset her, saying that she's she's only talking about food and she's not showing any interest in you, but she's talking about someone else. Okay, so here's and the thing. I don't know if that's actually a trick, because how would she have known about the Mimi thing and they are discussing food? Yeah, I don't think she says Mimi, though. We don't see any point where she, she's still saying coconut this entire Well, she's saying coconut and... when we see her visibly mouthing things at the window, but this is before that. This is when it's a discussion. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're... If she says Mimi, like, when she's, like, you know, dealing with, with Yayaka, I didn't catch it at all. Because it would have been would have been good if she says Mimi during this point so that it does underline the fact that Kokona is feeling like something is off with yeah. Papika. I just um, don't know how much of this it could be a trick because true. I think it's just this is literally what's happening. They're hungry. Yeah. But Kokona is upset regardless, and the mm -hmm. trap starts to wiggle and unravel a little. So Papika sees the movement and tries to go back to save Kokona, but Yayaka is still going, you know, business first, play later. And Papika is listing off all the things she loves about Kokona, how she smells, how kind she is, her cooking. And this sets Yayaka off because she's like, what do you know about her? I've known her for years and gets even more violent. Mm -hmm. But Kokona is having a reaction to the fact that her two best friends in the world are engaging in a bloody death match. And the trap is reacting to what the twins suspect are Kokona's emotions, where they're going, which one is she upset for? Huh? That's when we get some flashbacks to when the girls met. Uh, Kokona was dropped off by grandma in a hospital waiting room next to Yayaka. And this is how the two talk, because they're both sickly children who have to be investigated. And we will later discover that Yayaka was planted here by Asclepius to meet her, because her destiny is to be with that girl. Yeah, like, they, they split up that reveal in a way that is, like, I, I think, pretty effective, because the first scene is, like, the much longer one where, you know, they're, they're kind of ditching and like you know say what their favorite foods are and like hiding from the doctors and the doctors find them uh i don't know if this is relevant but coconut says that oh they, i don't like these you know doctor's visits because they put all these weird tubes in you and stuff and yayaka's like wait they do that's weird and i don't know if that's something that's relevant to 
or related to things we will find out next episode we record or not. Um, uh, yeah, it is. Okay. A lot of these flashbacks have a lot more context if you know what's coming next week. Yeah, yeah. So Papaka tries another desperate attempt to open the trap. And, like, she's gotten to the window somehow and is, like, shouting Koka's name. But this just pisses off Yayako, who says, basically, like, is that all you got? Is that is that all the effort you're going to put in? And just, like, sucker kicks Papika in the back. It's pretty but brutal. It's Yeah, they really underline how bad, like, this landed. But then Papika kind of shakes it off and just keeps trying. <laughs> uh, they they kind of undercut that moment a little bit, like, immediately afterwards. But it looks like the hair is enveloping her and I'm going to squish her like the girl in Akira. <laughs> but in one last plea, uh, you know, she shouts uh, Kokoda's name and then Kokoda shouts for Papika and the walls break. The whole trap explodes and uh, they make it out of the trap and the two flip flop girls clasp hands and are looking very happy. And this is where Yayaka sees that they are happy together and gets the flashback of, oh, yeah, by the way, you're an Asclepius plant. Yep. And that's when she just shoots out her cable weapons, which Papika tries to block, but she ends up ensnared and thrown away. Uh, then Yayaka creates, like, separates Coconut and creates a crystal barrier that sort of seals them off from the others and challenges her to a one-on-one -on -one fight. And as they uh, trade blows, images of their childhood memories are shown reflecting on the crystals. And eventually the cable weapons, like knives, whatever, spikes, begin shattering the crystal, you know, in, in the fight. And Yayaka manages to land a big kick that knocks Coconut out. So here's, here's the thing. You imply this is Yayaka's crystal i kind of think this is something coconut whips up because over time the childhood memories change from being yayaka and coconut growing up to nothing but coconut and papika oh yeah that's a good point yeah i just don't know they don't really explain crystal power what, where this here, even came right? from yeah no yeah it's, it's metaphors. just kind of it's it's metaphor it's not you know who knows also the um, crystal is coconut blue so you know there's something to read there Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But it's not, yeah, it's not from Coconut. Like, she's not the one who created it. Um, yeah, which is, it's her absolute cool. defense form. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is also, the crystal looks a lot like the shard in this world. You know, the sort yes. of, like, icy blue thing. So there's kind of that mirroring, too. Um, so, yep, Coconut's knocked out. Yayaka grabs the shard that they found there. But the twins say there's one more and also just as a side note that like Papika is so exhausted by dealing with Yayaka earlier that she can't put up a fight against uh, the twins right now and Yayaka anyway Yayaka says I know and takes out a knife and looks at the birthmark on Kokona's thigh and like hangs the knife like above it about to like cut into it but she just can't do it and ends up breaking down shouting like you know Damn it, damn it, I can't do it. And this is when we have the twins just done with this. And the boy launches a volley of missiles at both women. Yep. 
Yayaka leaps onto Kokona and protects her with her body. And uh, it turns out, even in a power suit, you get wrecked by that. Mm-hmm. Kokona wakes up. Papika shows up and blocks the next volley of rockets. And the twins leave with the shard. While Kokona is just shouting Yayaka's name over her not quite bloody, but very raw corpse. Mm. So, they do the only thing they can. They take her to Flip Flap HQ for treatment. Because what other doctors do you know who are going to do anything about this? Yep, yep. Meanwhile, back at Asclepius, the shard is added to the staff, and Papika reacts to this by instantly going, Where's Mimi? Kokona's like, You've never told me who Mimi is. And Papika's like, She's my partner. And that's where we cut. Mm-hmm. So what do we think of these episodes? Honestly, I love Pure Breaker. I love episode yeah. eight. That one rules. Mm-hmm. I think I half like Pure Component and Pure Mute. The, actually, I really like Pure Component. Most of that yeah. is pretty good. I just hate yeah. the fact that they instantly drop the plot that they come in with and never go back to it again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and the thing is they then drop drop it again because we, we didn't mention it actually when we were talking about Pure Breaker, but the thing that gets Kokona to get into the robot, like not figuratively, like actually literally, mm-hmm. is that she says that she has something to fight for now. Like she was afraid of going back to pure illusion and changing things, but she has something she wants to protect now, and that is Papika. Yeah. And that kind of follows from the previous episode, but it does in the moment feel like a cop out of the writing because her doubt is just immediately washed away and it doesn't feel like it happened on screen. But then it Um, appears again immediately at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're whiplashing Coconut and Papika's relationship over and over. And we're going to keep having that happen to the finish line. And that's why, we have entered the stretch of the show where remembering what happens, I am much less kind to it. I mean, I think the problem, too, with eight and nine is that what eight, there really isn't any character study happening. Right. Like there isn't any like looking at the main two at all, because really these two episodes, those last two episodes are Yayaka episodes. Mm-hmm. They are for Yayaka to admit that she wants to protect Kokona, gives her some backstory, and then also shows her, you know, not quite final turn, but, like, she's kind of accepted the fact that she's going to have to make sacrifices to protect Kokona. Like, she mm-hmm. can't follow through on her resolve to do whatever that needs to be done to keep her place with Asclepius. Um, and that it doesn't like all together feel that and yeah like episode nine pure view is just kind of a rough episode (laughs) again Um, it feels a lot like outside of that final fight scene in the crystal very much a we only have so much animation budget and we need to stretch it out yep 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 and also episode nine kind of introduces the 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 third child and the third child is just not i mean we don't know anything 
about her yet, but when we, but we both we'll, do. We'll so that's the problem. We do. And like, if you, this is your first time watching, you go, Hmm, something interesting will happen here. I'm just going to spoil and say, no, nothing interesting happens there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just completely superfluous. And the, I'll, I'll talk about it next time with the design of her, but she, she feels exceptionally poorly designed compared to the other characters. Yeah, I have some notes on her that I'm saving until we get more than a single silent shot of her. Yeah, but the second you see her, you should be like, oh, no, this this can't be good. <laughs> so, yeah, uh. next next week is probably going to be interesting. I have thoughts I'm saving, but I was discussing this with someone last night while I watched the episodes. And it's very interesting without details that this show feels like it needed more room to breathe for yeah. how quickly we shoved this in. But also, I cannot imagine how hard I would turn on this show if it were a 26-episode show. Yeah, there there could have been a whole lot of duds, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, at a certain point, you run out of things to reference. <laughs> Our cast is no larger than 12. Yeah, it's it's a very tight cast. I mean, I think you would probably spend more time with um iridori right maybe like, maybe we introduce more students around the campus i don't know yeah yeah i mean the thing is this is all like the relationship between kokona and papika is foregrounded as much as possible in this show which makes sense i mean you only have so much time to go through it i don't know if it becomes stronger if you bring in more characters and have more world building around them because ultimately it boils back down to Kokona and her personal growth. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 10 through 13 where the plot happens. Yay. <laughs> we'll see you. See you then.